The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. Well, that sounds like good news. All right, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I am your, not producer today though, but uh, I'm a guy on the podcast. But to my left... I'm the producer for the day. I'm, I'm Joel, and I'm also on the podcast. Did I just not say my name? You might not have. That's Caleb, <laughs> the guy with the voice that came before mine. That's Caleb over there. Is, that, is he to your right? Yeah, he's to my right. We're not going to make to my right a thing. we got to make to my left a thing. You're right. Yeah. And to my left <laughs> uh, is not Colton today. Colton is not here, mm-hmm. sadly. I very much miss this guy. We've created a very uh, confusing audio space yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, to Colton's would be left is myself, Joshua. Um, I uh, I do research sometimes, not today. Um, and to my left back is uh, Caleb. And <laughs> Caleb has read a book. Sometimes I do that. You. Man, I we're would, so sarcastic today. I would say energy. quite a bit. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes I do it a lot. Um, oh, I love this <laughs> this conversation. Yeah, it's so redundant. Um, but the book that I read <clears throat> is uh, called Against the Gods. Uh, the subtext or subtitle being uh, The Polemic Theology of the Old Testament by John D. Uh, Currid. Um, yeah, so it is exactly what it says. It's a polemic of the Old Testament. Polemic being where they take an idea or a way of presenting an idea um, of the cultures around them or the cultures that are, are near them, the stories, and then they, they flip that on its head to present their own ideas. Um, the uh, A modern example of this would actually be like how uh, Pepsi will have one commercial and it'll be like, hey, this, see this kid, he buys a bunch of Cokes so he can stand on top of them to buy a Pepsi. Yeah. And then Coke takes the exact same commercial but just reverses the labels. Mm-hmm. Well, Coke did a polemical commercial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's actually a lot of instances in, insta- instances of this in the Old Testament. Um, so it's, it's actually a very good book. It's actually a very short book. It's not even 200 pages. Um, actually, all the way to the back index, it's only 150. Wow. Um, so it's very short. He's pretty thorough, like thorough enough for being 150 pages. I will say for for myself at least, um, I found his arguments on a couple of these things a little weak. Of okay. course, as a book being 150 pages, and he would be. Um, he goes in the introduction that it's like, hey, I want this book to be approachable for laymen, just okay. so that they're aware of, hey, this this story occurs, this like idea occurs in like multiple different cultures mm-hmm. and multiple different times and they, they predate the biblical text and so he goes over like four different flood accounts yeah. he goes over the uh, idea of the righteous sufferer mm-hmm. um of the spurned seductress um of like a bunch of different um things that occur in the cultures around uh, mm-hmm. judaism and it's it's if you look at it from that lens when judaism then makes a claim through the biblical text what is specifically different 
that should be noted. Yeah, there might be some similarities, but if there's some similarities and they, they acknowledge those similarities, because of course they wouldn't know of them, mm-hmm. then the differences are what's being communicated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Just gr- like you would know that Coke doesn't like Pepsi. Yeah. Right, that if, kind of thing. They it, would know in the culture that that's a, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you've seen this commercial about Pepsi 10 times, then all of a sudden it's about Coke, then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, this isn't about Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's really fun getting into like the understanding of polemics when you get into like it's from like the one of the greek words for war well it's it's actually it's interesting because it shows up in politics all the time too yeah um but it's a very interesting study on that idea um again not his arguments aren't super strong um but you know what what i loved about this book was it for the amount of the amount of ground it covered in such a short period of time making yourself familiar with the different connections the different patterns the different mm-hmm. similarities um it was good uh, what's that nothing i was gonna cut you off no <laughs> i was gonna let you <laughs> i i've been having a pattern recently but i'm gonna <laughs> let you talk um yeah i don't know it, it was good i actually took a lot of notes in it um again that's uh, against the gods polemic theology of the old testament by john d Currid. um it's it's really good. I'd, I'd recommend it, especially because it's only 150 pages. Yeah. And it's like, hey, if you want to flesh out your idea of the Old Testament and like in the context of other cultures, very good. Yeah. Um, and then it would allow you to, where you find things that are more interesting, go into further study on those things in commentaries and whatnot. Are you going to take a... Josh is taking a picture of the book so he can buy it himself. Yeah. yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. Most of my photos in my phone are just books yeah, I that I got to remember. <laughs> That's completely fair. Yeah. Um, if we're going to talk about the polemic thing for just a second more, mm-hmm. um, I'd say before I started any kind of theological studies, the only, the closest thing I knew to a polemic was the flood stories. Is that the pinnacle of the book? Like, is that kind of the main focus for, for the... Like, like the flood stories? Yeah, a bunch of different flood stories. Like that one I've heard talked no. to ad nauseum kind of a thing. There's how many pages are dedicated to it? From page 48 to page... 48. No. Uh, 63. That's all there oh, is wow. on flood stories. Okay. And then it goes into, oh, Joseph comparisons and mm-hmm. brother compares, comparisons and yeah. the Spurn Seductress and then stuff about the Reed Sea. The, mm-hmm. um, and then there's stuff the, about uh, Canaanite connections. The stories yeah. um, about two brothers, like Canaanite. Yeah, he gets into is that, yeah. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like the movie Brother Bear. It's three brothers, yeah, but it's like the same, like. <laughs> idea of like the brothers don't get along like yeah. that owl movie the guardians or whatever it was oh my goodness yeah. right it's yeah. it's can and Abel. Mm-hmm. the um the um <laughs> even jokingly like the end of star wars even though like he was his mentor there's the line where he's like you are my brother yeah. and then he cuts his legs off like <laughs> that comes after <laughs> yeah <clears throat> but um but yeah no it's it it has a section on that mm-hmm. gives it its due diligence for as short of a book that it is yeah um and then moves on to other, yeah. other, other connections, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. It's written so that laymen can understand it, know what's Fair going enough. on, and yeah. I, I appreciate that. Um, I would, I would like it to go further, and so I will probably have to look for another book. But if yeah. that's, it serves as an introduction. It advertises itself as an introduction, and it's successful at being an introduction. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> so. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, our topic, we're finishing up. 
the Gospels yes. series. Mm-hmm. Um, I t- well, that sounds like good news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and what's the good news in Greek? Evangelion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Where wow. do we find the good news? In the Bible. Just outside the city returning from war. <laughs> That's the background of Evangelion. It was shouted when you came back into town from war. Because... When you won. When you because, won. Because, <laughs> because Christus Victor, right? Because Christus Victor and moral influence theory. So we're tying everything back to atonement theory. <laughs> <laughs> we're tying everything back to... Moral influence theory. You thought this series started with introduction to the Gospels. No, it started with our atonement theory podcast. <laughs> but if we're tying up stuff, yes, we talked about, hey, there's four different Gospels. Hey, there's the Q document. Hey, there's mm-hmm. John. Hey, they have different, like, emphasis and all this yeah. kind of stuff. How do we... What do we deal with? How do we deal with those, like, different emphasis? Like, oh. there's, there's stuff that's called Harmony of the Gospels. What is that? Yeah. Mm. How do we find the through lines? Sure. Um, we could do what you did and get a graph set up of all the verses that correlate between the four books. You could do that. You could do that. It's a very Caleb thing to do. <laughs> hey, I'll take us. I'll, I'll make you take a survey on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, um, this like harmony of the gospels idea isn't super new. Actually, there was a there was an early Christian in the like set one seventy. Um, who was like, hey, let's try to make one solid... Now, his thing was one solid text. A yeah. a gospel. <laughs> he was like, hey, can we just make it one book? Everyone was like, no. <laughs> well, his, his thing was, is like, yes, he condensed it. Yes, he put it into one text. Most modern Harmony of the Gospels, they will um, they'll actually have like four columns. Yeah. And then the second... Yeah, like an interlinear? Yeah, like an interlinear. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. The um, There's Bibles you can get where it's four translations yeah. together. The Net Bible? Is that what you're talking about? No. Oh, I'm that's one specific translation. Okay, um, which is great, by the way. Um, but they'll have like four columns, and then they'll go through. And when one gospel doesn't talk about that thing, they'll just leave that column blank. And they'll move nice. down the line. Um, whereas he and most of the other early church uh, harmony of the gospels, they would like try to compile it into one story. Sometimes rearranging one gospel or another. Sometimes like ah, this doesn't really fit with anything. Leave it out. <laughs> and so. <laughs> take take Luke's and then just add John to it. And then you call like ninety percent of the call. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But when you remove everything that's even that's just remove uh that's that's not in all four, mm-hmm. you end up with a really interesting bare bones. That's not in all four, that is that is shared in all four. That's uh, I should say shared in all four. When you yeah. remove everything, you're left with something that's that's yeah. like the bare bones of the gospel message. Yeah. Um, more so than just Mark. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is designed to be the bare bones of the gospel message. Yeah, because he's shock and awe. Yeah. Anyway, moving on and next and immediately and, and the very thing after. And the guy dies and he might be raised again. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Your life depends on it. Now, now, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but when you when you narrow just what they have in common, um, there's only a couple things that actually line up that way. But they're very interesting at what specifically they are. Um, it starts off with the ministry of John the Baptist is shared in all four. All of these yep. are shared in all four. Mm-hmm. The baptism of Jesus, the first disciples of De- Jesus, the feeding of the five thousand, Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry, um, the anointing of Jesus, the Last Supper, Judas's kiss, the arrest of Jesus, Jesus's trial at the Sanhedrin. Jesus carrying the cross, Jesus crucifixion, the empty tomb, and the resurrection. Which is like, hey, this is Jesus' ministry and his accomplishment of effectively changing the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
all like condensed into how many points there? Like what? Uh, fourteen. That's it. And so that's that's the through line between all four of them. How many of them are in Passion Week? Technically, two, four, six. I thought you were going to say two. I'm like, no, it can't be two. Ten. 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 Okay. Well, that's a significant amount, considering his ministry was three years. And then the commonality running through it is, you know. Seemingly the most important stuff. Yeah. At the end. Well, I mean, yeah. John is just like, hey, I mean, yeah, Jesus, Jesus did stuff. The ending of a story is typically the most important part. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Joel. <laughs> or the beginning, however you want to look at it. How did we get here? <laughs> um, harmonies. Yes. What about them? Um, you want to say something? No. I was, <laughs> I was trying to move on from where we were. Um, so we've got this bare bones idea. Is that sufficient for the, the truth of the gospel, the message, the good news? I, I would actually articulate so, yes. Yeah. I would think that this is, if you're going to go, what are the four gospels sharing a testimony about? Like that is yeah. the that is the through line there. You could reduce it into what are the synoptic gospels testimony about or have our testimony about specifically. And it gets more specific um, probably because they shared a source of some description and then they went off on their on their own other sources and other theological emphasis emphasize whatever um and then john goes off and you know does his does his thing um but if you were to just if you were even just to ignore the uh the synoptic you know uh, commonalities and go yeah. with all four you're and en- you end up with even when you start to view these uh, these ideas in a jewish context you end up with a not just a bare bones, but a fully functional bare bones of Jesus' ministry, Jesus' um, claim to deityship. I, yeah. I would argue, especially with his uh, with his trial at the Sanhedrin. Right? Yeah, um, and you get Jesus' kingship, Palm Sunday, and yep. the his crucifixion, um, and you get his uh, he's prepared for his way is prepared for by John the Baptist, tying things into mm-hmm. with the prophets of old. And so I think you're it's a not just a, a bare bones, but a fully functional um, testimony of this is like this is what Christ did, yeah. and you see all the gospels, all four of the gospels are centered around that same story. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. It's as if all of the extra, not fluff, the the ads that mm-hmm. they 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 flesh their story, the same story out with, mm-hmm. is what pushes it in the direction they want it to go in. Yeah, with the notes that they want, well, like who they're writing it for, blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, and what theology are they? Yeah. What heresy are they Channel. confronting? Yeah, yeah, channeling, challenging, <laughs> channel your inner heresy. <laughs> ah, That's Josh over there. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I think looking at the gospels as as trying to find a harmony mm. is really interesting because a lot of a lot of uh, scholars seem to produce their own harmony of the gospels. I don't know how many times you've gone into any sort of Christian bookstore and there'll be like eight different harmonies of the gospels. And then you go to the use section and there's like 18 different harmony of the gospels. Here's the thing. Um, with <laughs> with all the books I own, I don't think I've ever seen a harmony of the gospels book. What? I've how many, Joel, how many times have you seen a harmony of the gospels? I've seen a couple times, but they're always like really dry looking textbooks. <laughs> but like, like I get the like, there's like, 
LT Holcross the four gospels, but he just goes over the four gospels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. we're talking about Harmony of the Gospels. Yeah, I've never mm-hmm. seen this. Okay, well, then it's just me. Well, no, no, no. This is interesting. <laughs> Tell me what do they do? Oh, uh, most of the time, they either try to condense it into one text. Yeah. Or they try to rearrange it so that the, this is the actual order of events. Oh, oh yeah. I've seen yeah. It, the chronological ones. Yeah. Those are or, really interesting. Or they yeah. try to, you know, they do the four column thing. Yeah. Um, the really useful ones are when they try to, okay, these are these. Actually, I think there's 15 common points rather than 14 but when they focus on these and then they try to create a through line yeah giving the context for each instance while still trying to remain while still trying to uh when you're following through it's like okay this first point that's common in all four this is the context in all four add that as a as a unit next add all of those contexts as a unit and then they build this thing of oh jesus is moving through with the different emphasis emphasize Plural of I emphasis. I think it's just emphasis. Emphases? <laughs> I don't know. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's it, though. Um, Emphasos. Those are the good ones. Um, but honestly, I don't really own one. I just Actually, that's not true. I own one on Logos, but I've used that, but I don't... Oh, look. but as you and me both agree, anything on the internet doesn't count as far as books. It's not on I the internet. Disagree. It's on my hard drive. <laughs> I got that downloaded. <laughs> That's with all my JPEGs. <laughs> I just have 300 JPEGs that are all just the pages. just different chiasms. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. that's harmony of the Gospels. Very short and simple. A lot of study can go into that. Yeah, there's another like kind of thing we'd mentioned about like the harmony of the Gospels is like they kind of all talk about like a like. A different aspect of a different aspect yeah, of, the, of king. the king and the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. no, that's funny because we created uh, our own little idea of harmony of the gospels yeah. just naturally by do, reading the gospels. Do I want to read it out? Absolutely. Okay, so it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yeah. and so it's uh, Matthew is the kingdom is here. Uh, Mark is the king is here. Luke is what is what is the kingdom? What's it about? What does it look like? And then John is who is the king? Who does he look like? Mm-hmm. Who is he? Yeah, and it, they. It's kind of like Genesis, where it's like the first three are like, here's the space, and then the mm-hmm. next three are like, here's what fills it. Yeah. It's a very interesting analogy, but okay, I'll let it go, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Light and darkness. Oh my gosh, right front. Sky and ocean, and then <laughs> land. And then um, the things in the light and the darkness, the things in the water and the sky, and then the things on the land. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I, I find it interesting that you... Actually, I really like that you came up with this. <laughs> um, I guess it's one of those things when you've... Also, when you've gone to school and you've read enough books, how much do you actually just... Is your idea and just you regurgitating something that you've yeah. read and be like, holy moly, this is... This is this is good. <laughs> yeah. It's so refreshing at the end of a four-year program when you finally can say what you think in a research paper. Yeah. I don't think I can do that. Because when I write something, it's just like, ah... And then no, I turn to Joel and be like, hey, this is a cool idea. He's like, I've read that in this book that you have on your shelf. And be like, oh, <laughs> right. No, but like, but like, that's the point of the research paper in fourth year is, is like you don't use commentaries. This is true. This, this is terrifying. true. Like you use your own ideas, whereas for the whole undergrad, the whole idea is that you're using other people's ideas. Yeah, no, I'm working through that right now. It's terrifying. It's great. <laughs> but you're right. It's terrifying. Yeah. Um, Harmony of the Gospels. Very small section. We sh- could probably dedicate more to it, but as stated, well, there's so many of them, and we've covered a little bit in each episode. Yes. Um, um, I think emphasizing those 
15 core points mm-hmm. is really where any yeah. sort of harmony of the gospel is, is at its strength. Mm-hmm. But is there like, we've we've listed off verses, we've orchestrated, like here's a layer of events that occur, sorry, a cascade of events that occur in all the books. Mm-hmm. And we can so go, okay, here's a, uh, a unity in the story that they're not contradictory, blah, blah, blah. Also, like their messages seem to like thread together. Is there like, is there something about the gospels like that they all bring like they they all have their like note they all have their like emphasis they all have their like spice but like mm-hmm. is there something that all the gospels do together i i think i think so and i'm going to reiterate the thing that i re said for the last five episodes and it's the story of this is how jesus changed the world okay um he is the king. He is bringing yeah. the kingdom. And there's many analogies to talk about how that is done, when that's mm-hmm. done, yeah. where is it done, um, in the heart, in the whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it boils down to this is big, what this guy did. Yeah. And it affects everything. Whether you're Jewish, Roman, Greek, Gentile, yeah. woman, man. Yeah. Slave or free. <laughs> yeah. Satan or, or an angel. Like, on. it's big. No, 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 it's not effective to him redemptively, but it's like, John kind of throws shade at Satan, and he's just like, and it's just like, hey, watch out, you know? This is true. This is true. But I, <laughs> think, I think it's 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 basically like, this is a big, this, yeah. this guy is a big deal. What he's done is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the story of what happened. Yeah. And now it's meant to urge on a, so what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Um, Joel, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I I do enjoy kind of a, a harmony um, between all events, but I don't know. You said they're all kind of in the same tune, right? I'm I'm trying to formulate what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to say here, and, and maybe that's why I haven't. No, it's okay. Take time. Minutes. Um, say words, and we'll help you get there. So I'm trying to figure out what the analogy is for the harmonization of the Gospels. Is it that we're all playing in the same key using different notes? Is that the idea? <laughs> um, Are there going to be different emphasis? Are there going to be? I think it would be there's different instruments playing the same melody. Yeah, we could do something like that. Um, um, let's all talk in metaphor for the next. Okay, <laughs> let's, uh, let's take um, this back three levels of abstraction <laughs> and make sure it's unintelligible at all. Is, is the other idea like, and you see this like like. There's an idea where Paul, he takes from other myths, other stories, other people groups, and he says, like, hey, this is true, but about this God, not yours. Like, Paul taught when he's on Mars Hill, and he's talking yeah. about... Yeah, the, the altar to an unknown God. Altar to an unknown God, and then also yeah. quotes that Greek Cretan, yeah. Um, on, like, oh. uh, we Different. move and breathe and in him. Yeah. In him, we move and breathe. Um, and... Uh, Jude um, quotes apocryphal texts and mm-hmm. like and brings them into the truth. Um, I think there's this kind of really cool thing about humans that because God made us to, in the Roman sense, Romans one, where like we trade a truth for a lie, but we still see the truth. Mm-hmm. It's just we're built to have ourselves orient God at the top, and yeah. so we can't escape seeing Him there in a fashion. Um, mm-hmm. And so when we write things that are beautiful and true and meaningful, they undoubtedly touch the divine. Okay. And so... I agree. And so like these... And even more so when they're talking about Jesus, yeah. these disciples and these people that have met the eyewitnesses and stuff like that, when they write, they're immediately going to hit threads. Yeah. 
Well, actually, that ties that ties into one of the things that I was going to talk about in the highlight section. Mm. Um, so the uh, harmony. Uh, the episode is going to be called Harmony and Hi- Highlights, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where we just talk about what are some of our personal highlights from reading the Gospels, from doing this short little series. Um, and one of mine was John's Logos idea in Genesis, in not Genesis, in John 1. <laughs> yeah. Because um, he does use the word Logos, which shows up in both Stoic philosophy and mm-hmm. in Philo's uh more progressive Jewish philosophy, which is just before Christ. Yeah. Um, like he, they lived at the same time. Um, and although the biblical text doesn't, it doesn't rule out that, Hey, those things contribute. Um, it emphasizes more that this is the word of God by which he, he spoke and created the world. Mm-hmm. And it, it emphasizes more of a, more of a Jewish origin, but it doesn't deny those more modern conceptions. Like, uh, the Stoics more viewed it as like a, uh, like, um, it's kind of actually I can read it here. Uh, in an ethical sense, Stoics thought that the logos quote gives all things their essential nature and gives life and reason to men. In fact, the logos is a man taking form in the human soul. Um, and so the idea was when you embody what's like true ethical believing mm-hmm. or ethical not behaving behavior. Yeah. Um, you continue to embody this this abstract logos true word that i think actually borrows its its uh its more cosmological uh ideas from uh the enuma lish by which ordered chaos is 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 tamed by the spoken word of marduk and so by living ethically you live out a taming of reality yeah and that's that's an inherited thing from like from way back that you can see the emphasis you can see it pop up in in stoicism um philo's um in philo's which is a jewish uh alexandrian um theologian slash philosopher he also uses the also plays with the idea of logos um where he but he kind of does it that it's the reason or mind or like mental faculties it's almost a muse but more embodied in yourself rather than exterior isn't that the idea yeah yeah um And um, again, you you guys are gonna scoff at me when I talk about this, but um, <laughs> even in the 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 Tao of the Eastern religions, yep. um, yeah, they talk about the way the to speak reason. Um, it's more abstract, but the idea is essentially that when you live in the way, which is the way of the heavens, the the uh, the the unknown realities of the world that op- that that are behind everything, mm-hmm. not the earthly ways, which are the things we understand and know. Yeah. Um, when you operate in that, you bring a unity into in hum- humans individually and humans at mass mm-hmm. um, between the the chaos and the order that rides within them. Mm. Um, in the same way that Marduk is brought to tame chaos, yeah. But in his sense, it's order reaching out and defeating chaos yeah like bringing it down whereas in this one it's this dualistic sense where it's the way is what brings order and chaos together in okay. a unity more of a harmony peace yeah. thing yeah which is indicative of eastern yeah. thought yeah doesn't he kill tiamat with a bow and arrow though isn't that how that goes yes but because there's something about, about to blow the fire yeah as a dragon and yeah. he speaks the magic words and fills oh, her up yeah. so she okay, can't do anything. Yeah. yeah, and then, mm-hmm. and then because that's what um, that's why the gods go to Marduk 
It's because he yeah. has the magic mm-hmm. of the words. Yeah. Whereas yeah. they do not. Um, and well, you can see that there are par- parallels which uh, John doesn't. He doesn't make specifically, mm-hmm. but he doesn't rule them out. Jesus' life is the way that you are to emulate, well, to tame the chaos in life. To what? What's that? Keep going. Keep going. That's. It's, I was oh, gonna then he, go on to Philo, but and if John is the same author as the Revelation story, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus coming down on the white horse is a newer depiction of the Marduk killing Tiamat. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I wasn't going to say and that. he's got the word of God written on his forehead, yeah. and he's got the eyes of fire symbolizing the same thing as Marduk having the eyes around his head. Yeah. He comes in with, with his army, and they defeat the demons of Tiamat, or in this case, the demons of the, uh, the Great Red Dragon, which is the same symbol as Tiamat, and he annihilates them using the word, the sword coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Again, polemic theology polemic theology <laughs> also literary devices don't read too much of your own theology into that story um, um it gets it gets different. wild yeah i don't know I another guardrails on that one i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wasn't gonna mention that because like yeah but uh i love it the this he he clearly takes from it that's yeah. it Mm-hmm. Yes, polemic. That's all I can polemic. say. Polemic. <laughs> um, another person to actually use it is um, Philo, um, who's kind of like Logos he rationalized was the wisdom or reason of God, mm-hmm. um, r- originating in the mind of God. Yeah. Uh, the, the weird part is is it's not entirely clear if it's a personification. Um, actually, that's not true. Some people say it's not entirely clear. Based off of my studies, it's pretty clear that it's not a personification, that it's like just an idea. Yeah. Um, he uh, he has gotten on. To, he has like toyed with the idea of not incarnation per se, but he said something to the effect of, um, <laughs> "Is this the uh, the is this the guy that almost got it right?" Uh, I'll find it here. You can edit this out. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. Um, I'll fill in. The uh, is the quote the one where he says, um, "It was is sooner God become a man than man become a god." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, um, and he's—it's—it's he, it's funny because he says that as he's having these logos ideas, as he's yeah. living in the same age as Christ, and it's—it's it's interesting how close he—he he was so close. Oh yeah, so um, he was oh. older. Um, do, do you think? Do you think God, because he loves his like people and wants them to come to him, do you think he was just like no? <laughs> like, like yeah. I know he knows everything and blah 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 mm-hmm. but like in the same way with Lazarus where he's like no you're coming back to life where yeah. Jesus is just like no you were so close yeah like you but, were like five years off like well it shows how how it wasn't black and white in the ancient yeah. world right like we see everything through the lens of like polarization now yeah. right where everybody's part of a different group you're right or it, you're wrong it probably wasn't quite like that i mean of course there were jews and gentiles and they made that distinction themselves but yeah i mean there's a lot of different thought in the ancient world that was developing right alongside like you said logos and it's being grabbed from exterior and brought into the faith humanity is dynamic yeah Yeah. like well it's it's not entirely clear if it's grabbed from exterior and brought into the faith actually i would argue it's not okay yeah what it does is it leaves the doors open and it's like Mm -hmm. you can see that in in the biblical text Mm -hmm. right yeah. Um, however, what it appears to really double down on, particularly, well, obviously in John 1, yeah. um, is the whole um, going back to, uh, through the word God created, 
uh, the heavens and earth. Mm-hmm. It's going back to Genesis one, which is clear in, not just in in that instance in John, but there's the his whole by him all things were made. Nothing without him was ever made that was made, mm-hmm. right? And I think verse two. Um, but there's also it builds on the idea that uh, that the word or Hebrew devar is mm-hmm. God's act of revelation. It is thus saith the Lord, right? These are the words of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the words of God that that created the world. These are how God reveals Himself. And John seems to play more on those themes than those than the other themes that are that are at play in the world at that time. Yeah. Not that he closes the door on them, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, just a real quick, another thing about John's Logos, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, if you're dealing with JWs who deal with their whole, yeah. in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, there are so many tools um, that actually go through the Greek um, for people who don't know anything about Greek, mm-hmm. um, about why that doesn't suffice to... The uh, argument of the definite article is what you're going to be looking for, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a great video for someone who doesn't actually know anything about Greek is actually done by Jack uh, Kinner, uh, God or a God, John 1.1, 1, 1, a Greek grammar. Yeah. Um, it's a great video. It's on YouTube. I've mm-hmm. used it before. Um, mm-hmm. I'd recommend it if that's something like you're like, I don't know the background of that. Mm-hmm. But um, that's one of the highlights that I liked. I always like John 1. It's good. Oh, okay. it's good. Yeah. And I, yeah, the parallels between that and Genesis are awesome. But Josh, you got some highlights. I can see your paper. Yeah. Um, my first highlight, where did I have it? Is uh, John 17, the uh, the high priestly prayer. It was mentioned in a one-off by myself, um, <laughs> just quickly, because I just love how personal John is compared to the other Gospels. Um. And this one is, this passage is phenomenal because not only, it's not just Jesus talking to a crowd. It's not just Jesus talking to his disciples. It's Jesus praying to himself, <laughs> like to his father. Yeah. But like. Not in the, uh, in the modalism way though. Are no, you there? Are you a little no. modalist? No, no, no. no. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's so profound because it's just straight up Jesus is like in the moment thoughts and desires oh yeah like for his disciples for everyone who believes for the world his you see a beautiful relationship between him and the father where it it mentions his relationship with his father he talks about his relationship with his father but here you actually see it lived out Mm -hmm. how much he just like and it's like right before he's about to die (laughs) and it's just it's it's such a vulnerable uh insight into the man god yeah that i what was the verse you said uh chapter 17 okay um to one yeah chapter 17 um it's awesome um i don't it it's one of the chapters or parts of the bible where i come back like late at night sometimes and i'll read Mm -hmm. and They'll just bring me to tears, mm. you know. Like some, you have that verse where you're just like, "Shit." <laughs> <laughs> you're like, "Yes, uh, I do know that yeah. feeling." <laughs> you're like, "Oh like, man, oh man, that cuts." <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah. you're like, you you pray, you have your relationship with Jesus, and it's good and stuff. You pray to Him, and you're just like, "Oh God, I need help," and or "Thank you, God, for how good you are." And then you read that, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, 
this means so much more than it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is so much more than my meager relationship with Christ. As awesome as that is. Yeah. As important as that is. Yeah. Because this is the model of that perfect. Yeah. That perfect unbroken relationship with God that Abraham, sorry, that Adam had, but decided to leave behind. Yeah. And it's just like, no, no. Um, and it's beautiful because he's talking about you in one passage. In verse uh, 20 down, he's talking about you. And that's terrifying. Weird, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, there's going to be some people that believe after. Keep them safe. That's you and me. That's you and me. And the listeners. Yes. Yeah. Um, Joel, you got some highlights? Just give me one second. Yeah. I'm, I might be lost in something. <laughs> I've got a, I got a few more highlights. Oh, you just talk so much one, already. Hop on. Just one, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. This sounds good. This is why we have three people. Um, I also have Luke, um, Luke and Matthew's genealogies. And oh, it's really? Just like, okay. Why? Right. Just a list of people's name. Um, I like them because genealogies are super boring the first time you read them. <laughs> <laughs> I like it because it's not fun. No, it's one of those things like Leviticus where you're just like, this is so boring. It makes you stop reading the Bible. It's so boring. <laughs> it's true. Right? Yeah. Like people, everybody goes through their, there's that funny like thing that everybody goes through. Where they're like, I tried to read the Bible and then I hit numbers. I hit Leviticus. I hit Deuteronomy and I just couldn't. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, you just missed the battle scenes. Which is, again, just another genealogy, but it's of all the people Josh killed. <laughs> um, but then you've got, like, the Genesis genealogies, and it's just like, yeah, who cares? I don't... Oh, but they're super important. But they're super important. And it's because genealogies are a specific literary device to tell you a note or a message or a theme through repetition. Hey, Abraham had a kid, and then he died. Abraham's kid had a kid, and then he died. That kid had a kid, and then he died. That guy had a kid and then he died. Why? Oh, because just before God said you're going to die mm-hmm. because you're sinful. Oh, okay, cool. And then, and then, oh, what? I, I got to think of his name. E- Enoch. Enoch, Enoch <laughs> walked with God and was no more. Yeah. And then the next guy died. And, and then the, the next, next guy, guy died. died. And then the next guy died. And it's also the seventh one of fourteen. Yeah. It's like it's uh, the guy has. Yeah. <laughs> and is, what's the point? Walk if you with walk God. with God, you don't die. Yeah. Beautiful. Right, and so it's they, these genealogies have such a profound thing, profound messages mixed with them, and inconsistencies aside, the it's just beautiful seeing Matthew's like rigid Jewish desire to show, hey, here's Abraham, here's David, here's the exile, here's the descendant line all the way back to Jesus, the Messiah. He was going to be a son of Abraham. He has to be a descendant of David to be on the throne. And after the exile shows that he's, I guess, a part of the priesthood. Uh, n- no, not as far as I'm aware. I think, the, I think what it's to, to do it's is... from to, Yeshua. I think its primary function, though, was to show Kingship. that his, uh, through the exile, where they lost a lot of the genealogy, yes. that he's still part of... Yeah, uh, David's household. Flip to the Matthew one because there might be a. You might totally be right. Um, That'd be cool if you were. I'd like that. Has common acid Josiah Jokian, um, Jokaniah Shaltiel, Zerubbabel, kingship, uh, Aloyakim Adid, Azor Zadok, 
Okay. Zadok, one of the priests? Um, Zadok, I believe, is a name that's multiple times. He is the At one point, yep. the priesthood is limited to him in by Solomon? Yeah, Aliyah Solomon. Kim. Yeah. But well, uh, that seems Solomon out of been. way before that. Yeah. So I think it's just a reoccurrence of the same name. Yeah. I don't think it's the actual high priest, Z- yeah. Zadok. Because it was Jeshua was the high priest at the same time as Zerubbabel was the king. Yeah. So, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So, but you get this, like, note is, like, he's chasing, he's tracing it all back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which was super important to the Jewish people. And then you got with Luke, you got this like, and he was the son of, and he was the son of in reverse. Yeah. Not the top down, but the bottom up. And it goes back to, and the son of God. And he's just making this beautiful point that it's like, hey, this guy, Jesus, is the son of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because he makes this other yeah. connection where he's just like, oh, son of God, because, you know, he's the, the incarnation yeah. and the, uh, birth of a virgin yeah or birth birth by a virgin yeah and he's the son of god because he is ultimately a descendant of descendant of all of humanity who is a descendant of god yeah um and so he ties the uh the dual nature and single personhood of christ in his genealogy yeah um and so you've got these beautiful notes given in this what modern people would say boring way (laughs) it would have been very important to the original audience right like it would have been right what they wanted to hear yeah. Um, um, Joel, did you get your thing? Yeah, no, I got my thing. Beautiful. For some reason, I had the wrong verse reference written down. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I have to read the verse, and it's gone. <laughs> i got to read the entire um, Bible. got to make sure it's there. Yeah, so I just read the Bible during that little time I was taking a nap. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, put the bu- you put the audio Bible on at ten times speed? <laughs> Absolutely. So mine was actually also uh, relevance to the Jewish community of Matthew. Which, of course, it was, because that's, like, my whole thing. I really enjoy that stuff. Um, But it's the, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, Which is, you know, one of the the psalms that Christ quotes while he's on uh, the cross, right? Um, And it's also the psalm that references uh, casting lots for his clothing, right? Mm -hmm. So it it ties everything kind of together there and shows that there's there's a a liturgy behind what's happening. Um, Who wrote the psalm? It's it's attributed either to or for David, um, okay. but even then it might have been after. So so Psalm twenty two is the yeah. psalm I'm talking about. Uh, it's often called the the suffering king or the suffering servant, yeah. um, and it starts off with um, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Which is what he's yeah. starting here. And the weird thing is, and it seems like it's a liturgy, right? So it's a it's yeah. a verse that's meant to be uh, read out to its fullest extent. Um. So the fact that Jesus quotes this um, on the cross, I, 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 I really don't think that God is, like, turning his face away, like the hymn says, yeah. right? Like, the Father turns his face away. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's what he's going for. I think he's starting a liturgy of the suffering king and, and showing that, you know, once the psalm comes to its completion, um, then he, he will be king. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the whole idea is that right now you're going through... Um, the suffering, um, but it's it's referencing an entire narrative of of enthronement that shows him, yeah. you know, fulfilling God's plan. Well, yeah, because you get that um, verse eight. If he if it's the idea that by quoting it, he's alluding to the whole thing. Yeah, you get this. The verse eight, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for yeah. he delights in him. Yeah, which is a callback well, to his baptism. And you also you also get back. It, um, Hebrews, uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head, but Hebrews is a whole thing of with great tears, um, Christ cried to be delivered. 
mm-hmm. and he was. Yeah, is the next line. Yeah, and this yeah. whole thing is that just as Christ was delivered from death through death, so will those who believe mm-hmm. in him. And the psalm ends <laughs> prophetically. Mm-hmm. Um, they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to the people yet unborn. Yeah. That what he has done. That's, that's <laughs> wacky. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and it's it's like a it's a paradox between the yeah. two the two verses, right? Because um, c- there's actually three sections. It's lament, yeah. then pray, or yeah. lament, thanksgiving, and then praise. Yeah. Um, right. Because it it's this yeah moving from basically the sin of the world so he talks about like i'm a worm i'm a useless piece of garbage kind of thing which is well, a super and you get paul's he became sin yeah no it he took on the suffering of humanity and what psalm 22 references is i would say the suffering of humanity mm-hmm. and then gradually turns it back to to god so that uh the unborn will know him um, yeah which is just just a wow yeah it's, they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn mm-hmm. that he has done it that he has done it it is finished. It yeah. is finished. Yeah, obviously. So yeah. going through the, the Gospels, that was definitely a highlight for me. It's like, oh, you're referencing old text? Oh, there's more to this. This is a hyperlinked text? Well, it's this is the hyperlinked text. It's like God just screaming. <laughs> like, I did it! I did it! Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> ah. David's back on the throne, baby. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> You were all asking when I'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> I did it. It's a mic drop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. Man, I, I love like the this. Bible. I love Jesus. <laughs> Josh is over here just having a good time. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like God knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, do you want another one? I do actually. It's one that Josh and I got into. Um, where we not got into, but we uh, we argued. I was left no. Out. What's that? I was left out. Yeah, no, I Joel sorry. wasn't. Well, I don't care. Let's bring him and the audience into this. No, I'm topic. having the conversation yeah, yeah. backwards. <laughs> um, I'm be the arbiter of this debate. Okay. It's it's one of, it's one of those things. We didn't get into it. I brought it up and I was cool. Like I was like, oh, this is cool. And then Josh just went, oh my goodness, this is so cool. And then just went away. It was like, wow, I didn't know that, but that's very interesting. Um, but uh, in Luke 8, uh, 43 to 48, there's the uh, Jesus walking through the crowd, right? Yes. And then there's the, the woman who's had, uh, who's been, had continual, continuous yeah. discharge. Uh, and she, she touches, touches his garment. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, like someone touched me. I, yeah. What's going on? I and felt his that. disciples are like, are you? Dumb, like you're surrounded by people. <laughs> what do you touching you? What do you want from me? <laughs> um, what got me though is, unless the uh, without the incarnation, yeah, um, people who are trapped in their their sin, which mm-hmm. um, Leviticus eight uh, fifteen two um, makes this this idea that uh, actually makes it law. That uh, discharge makes one unclean, and can, they cannot therefore approach the tabernacle yeah. or the temple. Um, you cannot approach God. It's a great analogy for what how sin functions. Yes. You can talk about how how socially harsh that is on the individual, which is fair enough. Yeah. I, I don't I'm, I don't have time now to get into that. But as an analogy of what's going on and how that's like actually f- playing out in her life, yeah, is it's a great analogy of, of Jesus' function as god reaching out so she because of because of her uncleanliness cannot approach god cannot enter the temple mm-hmm. and she cannot a- a- 
enter the temple and approach God for years. She's yeah. done everything that she can. She spent her fortune, all that she has, yeah. trying to get into this so she can be back into yeah. normal Jewish community and society yeah. and relationship. Yeah. And she can't. And it's over. But. But. Jesus comes. He is God. Yeah. He goes into the crowd with the people as what was mentioned with uh, God moving with his people, with the tabernacle, dwelling amongst the people, yeah. God moving, God being with Adam and Eve in the garden, the whole idea of God yeah. being with his people. Three concentric circles. Yeah, so that he yeah. can come in yeah. and that those who would otherwise be unclean can then yeah. approach. Yeah. Um, and so then you have, and you, you start to have in the, in the prophets, it's mentioned more explicitly in Ezekiel 44, um, that God's holiness, and it's yeah. mentioned a bit with the priests also in, in, in Leviticus yeah. as well, the priest's garments and all that, is what will create a contagious holiness. Yeah. Um, that will, just as unho- uncleanliness was contagious. If someone was unclean yeah. and they touched something else that's unclean, and it would continue to function yeah. until you did the proper sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, when God steps on the scene, his holiness is just as contagious and can cleanse well, and purify even, and allow and, everyone to then approach. Well, And one would say even more contagious, superior. Yeah, because, well, that's the idea, because it undoes. Yeah, because yeah. with with sin, the alter, the in the reverse... Um, the whole idea of like the woman cannot approach the temple mm-hmm. is the idea that it like yeah she could but she it would be destructive to herself if yes. the idea of that if you approach god in his holiness it would destroy you mm-hmm. but god is not tainted by your by your sin no but it, it's a for you yeah but you but god's holiness uh is infectious upon everything yeah. nothing is unaffected by it. Yeah. In the end. It's uh where it's, sin is only effective to everything but God. It's it's such a great at least that story for me. Mm-hmm. It's such a great little microcosm mm-hmm. of linking Old Testament like developing the need for salvation, then presenting how the incarnate Christ solves that yeah. need. That needed that that needed to be shown, right? Yeah. Um and then how that affects human relationship and hope. Yeah, and to like to give the picture for people who may not understand the analogy we're presenting. The idea is that the crowd is a stand-in. The the way the crowd is oriented is a stand-in for the the tabernacle or the garden, mm-hmm. being that like even in the middle you have the holy place, the most holy place mm-hmm. where God resides. Jesus in this story, he's surrounded by his disciples, the priesthood, whatever the the more religious people mm-hmm. in the whole the 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 surrounding temple area, the holy place. And then you've got the crowds, yeah. the, the people, the courtyards area. And this woman can't enter any of that. Yeah. And But if Jesus becomes carnate and moves yeah. through the crowds, moves yeah. with his people, yeah. then she can't approach. And she pushes through. Yeah. And then not only that, calls her daughter the same word that Jairus uses, and it's the only time Jesus uses that word. And it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a highlight for me. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. It's a it's a beautiful story. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> we, a bunch of our stuff is highlighted the vulnerability and the love of Jesus. Just it's a little so good. Yeah. It's just like ah, oh, he's such a sweet man. <laughs> you know, Jesus was a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> you should try to be more like Jesus. Yeah, more influencer. It's weird that nobody ever makes the argument that Jesus was a bad person. Ah, it's either there. he wasn't God or 
he was God. Like a good teacher or the Messiah? Yeah, he's like, he was just a good teacher yeah. or he was actually God. But yeah. nobody's like, mm, he's actually a bad person. Um, like, I've, I've come across that, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's always been the the abuse of his teaching in the church. Yes. It's always, it's always yes. the larger church and organization. Chris Richards tends to go more towards the Father rather than Jesus. Jesus, yeah. he might go. They, he's they okay. hate the Old Testament God yeah. type deal. Yeah. He's yeah. just the same guy. I've, I've heard it. Um, it's normally done by people who, let's say in Christopher Hitchens' brother's fashion um, and book, um, Peter Hitchens, uh, The Rage Against God. Is it's <laughs> done enough. with people who have a personal vendetta against the personhood of Jesus. Okay. Yes. It's, I, I would, it's not normally done by people who either come from a different religion mm-hmm. or like uh, Gandhi with the whole I would be a Christian if it weren't for Christians. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not normally... It's not normally said by people who uh, have a, approach it from a level head or a different perspective yeah. or uh, comparative religious studies. It's people who have a personal problem with Jesus, um, which is like, you know, also how I relate to other actual human beings. Cool. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, Joel, do you have another highlight? Um, how was my... I, I this is a personal favorite of mine, mm-hmm. and I, I like that it's the only miracle across all of the books is the feeding of the five thousand. Yeah, I just I really like the providence of Christ showing <clears throat> in the thing. Is that because of uh, you grew up on the coast? I don't. For some fish? I don't think that's it. I mean, maybe that okay. could be part of it. Um, I like his denial of kingship. Mm. I, I really like that. That yep. could be seen as as a throwback to judges. Yeah. Um, with. Uh, What's his name? Gideon, um, denying kingship. Oh, there's um, also the he refuses to become king until it's time. Yeah, that's what um, I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like it, it won't. No, um, I don't. I don't mean to say this, but that's literally what he just said. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm just slow. <laughs> yeah. No, no, Caleb. I love you. I just, I just want you to know the situation you're in. That's cool. That's cool. The situation. You ever wanted to be condescending? Cool. That's the situation you're in. <laughs> So we've created I, a very good environment here. <laughs> um, Joel, please continue. Yeah, I like the feeding of the five thousand. The whole, the whole situation. The part where like, he's, he's just mourning over John the Baptist's death, and then he goes and he he actually takes care of the needs of the people, and he continues to preach. And he's like, "Hey, you know, you should feed these people." And they're like, "We don't have enough money for that." He goes, "Yeah, probably somewhere, right?" And then he just makes a bunch of food. It's awesome. That's the part I liked when I was a kid. I was like, oh, man, so much food. <laughs> I, I, like the, I like the idea that the disciples are like, but we don't have enough money to feed this city. And Jesus is like, did I stutter? <laughs> like, it's also one of the interesting like, interesting things. Uh, this is like unlocking a very far memory in Gospels class. And it was one of the Gospels mentions who he asks. The other mm. one doesn't. The one that doesn't, and I wish I could remember these off the top of my head, but I, this is too far back in my brain. The one that doesn't mention who he asks in a different place mentions the guy who he does ask in one of the other Gospels yeah. as a local of that area of Capernaum. Yeah. Meaning he asks in the Gospel that doesn't specify that that guy was from that region, but yeah. only specifies that he asked that guy. Mm-hmm. He's asking, hey, local dude. Where, like, hey, is there a place to buy food? And he's like, no, they're so far away. We should send them around, send them out now. Mm-hmm. Ah, what have you got? <laughs> but it's, it's just one of those, actually, Harmony of the Gospels, like, dovetail things where it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that just makes sense. Here's another thing. I wonder if it was any good. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Are you saying that God's provision of food isn't enough for you? No, but like, here's the thing. Was it the best fish ever? Probably I mean, not. 
I think it, dude, God's got a trend. Well, he the, dropped cinnamon buns from I, heaven for his people for well, six days. That's true. Maybe, maybe bug pieces. We don't know. But, <laughs> well, dude, what's the connection between that and manna? Do you think there's a connection? Well, oh, I mean, like, Jesus does go one. on to say the comparison between him bringing the, the, him as the bread of life, bringing yeah. down food and saying they want the bread from heaven. Yeah, and he like is, like is is that it? Is that like it's just like a, just a harken back to hey, God takes care of you. Well, yeah, because you've got this idea of like is a it? you've got a a bread and a meat. Yeah, the quail and the the, the quail, quail and the, the yeah. manna, and then in this one you've got bread and fish, and then he, they're like, hey, you should be king because you're you do the things that God does. <laughs> <laughs> like fair enough. Also, if your king could just make food for everybody, yeah. Well, no, because that's what they wanted. They wanted yeah. somebody, a king that would just take care of them. And mm-hmm. he's saying, "No, I want to be a king that transforms you." And that has to happen later. Yeah. That's cool. Get in the boat. <laughs> get in the boat. Get out. No, get in the boat. We're walking across. You're getting the boat. I'm yeah. walking around. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'll walk. <laughs> He's like, I need to take a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I wonder how irritated Christ was during that. So, no, seriously. Well, he's just mourning. Well, I mean, and then everyone's like, hey, can we have something to eat? I mean, <laughs> this, this is, is also the time where he passive aggressively tells the disciples, are you going to leave too? I don't know if it's passive aggressive. I don't <laughs> no, think so. I think it's no. more like. You can read so many emotions into the story. <laughs> I, yeah. To me, it sounds more like a. So, like. Are you guys? How are you guys? How are you <laughs> what guys are you going to do about this? Yeah, it's like yeah. when you're done hanging out with everybody. You're like, how are you guys getting home? <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, can I get you a guys, ride? You guys can just get in the boat. I'm I'm just go walk. <laughs> I like this. This is a good way to look at this story. No, Jesus was not passive aggressive. I uh, take that. Mm. No, no, in that passage. Okay. Because Jesus is. Has some interesting behavior. Well, I mean, no, here's the other one, right? Is the other time it uses, so the same word used for, uh, I believe, this, I could be completely wrong here, but I believe this is true. The same word used for uh, Jesus when he's at Lazarus's grave, weeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That same word is the word used for anger that Jesus experiences at the temple. Interesting. Yeah, so it's this idea of, like, emotional angst with the, like, the hatred of the thing. Hmm. Like like the the loss, but also the hatred for the reason why. Um, Interesting. And but it's like, and he makes a whip, and then goes and how long does it take to make a leather whip? Yeah, like um, yeah. so I was just sh- sitting there looking at how many guys priests, and he's just like, "Wait, where did he get the leather from?" Sandals. That's actually probably the answer. Yeah, yeah. he um, just <laughs> took them off the disciples. He's like, give me your sandals. Give me. Like, okay, this guy's probably gonna do an ana- analogous like miracle, blah blah. He's just angry, but that's fine. Them, just staring, <laughs> stewing at them, like getting angrier, and then he just starts whipping people. And I mean, animals, not people. And, uh, and yeah, whatever. Um, and then the disciples are just like, oh, this is a <laughs> this is a teaching moment. Is there moment. some kind of analogy there of preparing rebuke and not just going in guns a blazing? Because I've always seen that. <laughs> Right? Like, if it took him three hours, it wasn't like he just jumped in and he's like, oh, man, this is what's happening, now I'm angry, and then he just finishes I everybody. I don't think that's explicit in the text. You'd have to say, man, like, I that's... like putting emotions on Jesus. I'm sorry about that. But that's... that's but whenever I, I read it, that's like, my... That's my just, like, outlook. staring at the money traders while he's <laughs> just, like... Yeah. They, and they're like, what is that guy doing? Just, like, looking at each other, they're, like, talking, and they just see Jesus... 
Oh, like, he, oh he's getting up. <laughs> he's got the Stanley Kubrick stare where he's yeah. just... Staring at people in church is so much fun. It's my favorite thing. I used to lock eyes with the drummer and just wait. There's this guy at my church that every time I look over, there's just like, he's like through the crowd of people. He's one of the dads of the youth or whatever. And he's just like, got like the Kubrick stare staring at me. Like everybody's singing and he's looking in my direction. I don't know if it's at me or the person beside me, but it's just like the most like, it's intentional anger and dislike. What is he like after church? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> just, just whatever. I could be mid-song singing, loving. Yeah. Turn to look at the crowd, just like to see what's happening, and then it's just this, this guy, just like dun dun, <laughs> through the crowd. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> we're so off topic. <laughs> I feel like we're still on topic. Um, read it in the Bible. Sure. Yeah, yeah. this is our new segment uh, that we started. What three weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Called Reddit in the Bible. We go to internet uh, theologians somewhere where people are asking questions about theology yeah, or something like that. doesn't have to be from Reddit. could be on Reddit. It has been so far, but we're open to anything, so send in your questions or whatever. Um, yeah. What's what, what have you read it in the Bible? Um, Wait. Oh, no. Josh is doing this. So <laughs> yeah. Before I say it, though, yes, please comment on our website with a little comment thingy and ask questions because we like talking with you You can guys. also message us with a chat. Colton gets all those, so just like yes. make sure to light that up. Yes. <laughs> comment on the YouTube so that we can say stuff. Yeah. 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 So that we know we have listeners. <laughs> yeah, more than just a, a bot our that I have to hire. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thanks. I don't think my mom knows. Um, I haven't told her yet. <laughs> Anyways, right into the Bible. <laughs> um, so, right in the Bible, we wanted to talk about this like uh, theological questions in Reddit, and the one this today, this day, this is day. is the concept of an all-powerful God condescending to humanity, lowering himself to becoming a human, lowly slave, servant, and being killed by them, unique to Christianity. That definition as presented there, as narrow as it is, yes. Okay. That's my thing. I mean, I I think yes to some degree. I think we're going to have to break it down a little bit more than that, though. Okay. Could you try and restate the question? Yes. Um, Should I do the, should we do like the ladder up where we build on the idea? Maybe, but can I call a friend? Let's call Colton. See what he's doing <laughs> for the question. Yeah, I'll sure. make sure I get it right so I get the million sure. dollars. Do you, um, so okay, how about this? Do gods die in other religions? Absolutely. So yeah. that's not unique. No. Do we have a? Do we have some? Okay, yeah. Um, do gods uh, die to other humans because humans killed them? I mean, yeah, in Greek stuff that happens. Like, I think it does. There's I'm a lot of movies that do that. Yeah. But, like, is there, like, a god that kills, like, Hera? Sorry, a person that kills Hera? Or, like, uh, there's, uh, there's, like, there's humans that ascend to godhood by killing other gods. Do we have an example? Uh, does Hercules do that? Yes, but he was born of a god, so he's a demigod. Yeah, but, but there's, there's instances of that. Um, yeah. Oh, what's, what's the name of the god? Oh, is it? No. Well, the the Mithras die, or is that one of those ones where it's just like, who knows? But it will always argue it. Yeah. Um. 
Okay, so there are gods that die. There are potentially gods that are killed by humans. I think maybe in some of the Hindu. Um, I believe yeah, some of the, that's the avatars of their might blurring of nature and supernatural stuff. Yeah, it's kind of all one thing. Yeah. So to say that they're gods doesn't make a ton of sense. In what way? Because um, like there are gods that have avatars. Yeah, um, the start, one that starts with a G. Which one's that? The the elephant head. Oh yeah. Um, dies to his to his stepfather. Yes, um, turns into the the goddess of death. I become no, death, the I destroyer of worlds. No, no, it's a dude. Interesting. I, I, I've the, lost the it elephant. Now. Yeah, the elephant one with the with the arms. Um, Genna. Is it Genna? Um, I'm just gonna Google. We, we might have to yeah. cut this out. No, no, no. We can keep talking. So there are gods that uh that die. Balder gets killed by the other gods. Uh, Horus and Osiris die multiple times in different myths. Um, Quasicodal has the dying and rising cycle. Dionysus is torn apart as a baby and is resurrected by a human woman. Mm. Um, Interesting. Okay. Um, Zagreus um, is a nomai nu Mikado. I probably pronounced that wrong. Um, <laughs> there's also a Japanese fire god. There's Baal, the Canaanite god. See, but he's not killed by humans. Yeah, but he dies. Yeah. 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 If, you, if you expand the definition to yeah. gods that die yeah. and, re- and resurrect. Odin is killed by Fenrir? Sure. Loki's well, okay. are, son wolf. Are, are, are we just going gods that die or gods that die and resurrect? I think we're talking about just gods that die. Oh, then right like now. hundreds, yeah. hundreds all yeah. over oh, the yeah. place. Okay. Um, then uh, we have gods that were killed by humans. Potentially Dionysus. Yep. Um, we've got gods that are killed by demigods. Hercules kills another. Yeah. Um, do we have a god that makes himself a human that dies? Not that I have come across personally. I I can't think of any. Um, Granted, most of our actually, to be fair, most of our studies yeah. are centered around. Uh, and so, if someone knows of one, yeah, let us know um, in the comments. But uh, most of our studies are centered around um, ancient Near East, yeah, and Greco-Roman, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there, but we're, I'm not as familiar with Greco-Roman as I as I yeah. should be. Um, there is, um, I. I am pretty sure because so there are the there is a uh, common religious note in the Hindu religions where mm-hmm. the gods become avatars yeah. or in human form. They've got blue skin or mm-hmm. whatever, but um, like uh, Krishna, yeah, um, he he's born as a child and stuff yeah. like that. But they know he's a god, mm-hmm. um, the avatar of a god, um, and I believe he, I believe some of the avatars are like they die. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. There's different incarnations of them. Yeah. Um, um, is there an all-powerful god that dies? It's not fair, because you can't, like, say monotheism and then expect it to actually compare to anything else that's in a pantheistic environment. Well, well, there's other monotheisms. Not, mm, sure, yes, but name them. Well, name does, them. Does, <laughs> does Allah die? No. No. Um, do, do the... It, I guess they're not all powerful, but do do Ahura Mazda or the? That's not monotheism, one? though. No, you're right. It's dualism, <laughs> but it's close to monotheism because they're not because yeah. it's not all, all powerful. Yes, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Um, sh- what do we got? We got that Egyptian monotheistic 
religion, but so oh, little is known. Literally one generation. Yeah, so it was little like is seven years. Yeah. You guys, hey guys, you want to just worship one god? He's like, no. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Uh, Ammon. <laughs> sure. So little is known about the theology yeah. of that deity. Yeah. Um, what about? Oh, there's a there's a monotheism in the step nations. I forget the god. It's Tendri. Yeah, you're right. Yes, check him if he dies. <laughs> We're I doing mean, a t- we should do a tier list. <laughs> that would be awesome. That, that would be an awesome stream. Is just to talk about like Tengri. read Wikipedia. Tengri. Uh, no, there it, it's uh, there's a heavenly father and earthly mother. There's okay, a, it's a form of ancestor worship. Okay, but Stop. does is the mother superior or inferior or equal? The mother is usually superior. It yeah. which is interesting considering that in all those cultures the the masculine it's, is it looks to be more of an equal thing okay interesting okay i gotta get i gotta read more about that um that religion um i need to read more about greco-roman stuff here's the thing i'm not going to claim to be someone who yeah. knows all of this stuff because there's so yeah. like you can get PhDs in specific yeah. studies of specific religious groups yeah um, I can tell you in my studies yeah I have not come across one that is relatively close okay the biggest influence actually the best case which sounds horrible yeah. the best case is Baal yes but he's not all powerful I know but like the whole and he's also his and death and resurrection is intrinsically tied to the changing of the seasons well yeah and even but, but if you but if you want to make a connection between christ's death sorry. and resurrection the best one to make is baal you can make uh osiris horus ones they're yeah. super weak yeah it's um, pieces yeah together i i still think osiris is actually one of the strongest but that's that's really? my take yeah absolutely um, because it's got a death and rebirth, and then a but unification com- of the son and the father. He also brings about the pathway to the afterworld. He, he becomes he becomes king of the dead. There's not a true resurrection. He becomes king of the underworld. He's not actually. I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. He, it's, 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 the resurrection isn't. Well, I think in well, other we're getting into in like other, some paganism. <laughs> well, no, we're getting way. into Egypt. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I think, think so. that, but the Egyptian myths of Osiris are also contradictory. They're contradictory, they're, and they switch out who is Osiris yeah. and who is Horus sometimes. Because there is the one where Osiris's body parts are brought out by Horus back to the world of the living, and they reign together. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's there. You're right. Yeah. That exists. And so, like, I'm not saying that that's the predominant one. I'm just saying that there's, because of the nature of the Egyptian myths being so contradictory, there's so many accounts of the same story that are different, Yeah, that it... But even then, that goes to your argument saying, like, it's not a picture of an actual god because they can't agree on what their god did. Yeah. Also, like, not all powerful. Yeah. Well, and then even uh, condescends himself into humanity, whereas the, the mm-hmm. Hindu god that become, the Hindu gods that become avatars, they don't become truly human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, the, uh, oh, the, if you're going to make a comparison between Hercules or the other demigods, they're they're born of a of a like they they have half the nature of a god and half the nature of a man mm-hmm. where Jesus is described as having fully both yeah and that's why that's why John takes such yeah. great lengths because he's communicating that fully humanity mm-hmm. fully godship in a environment which it would be half and half yeah and they would have oh you'd have a bunch of benefits because you know you're mm-hmm. you're Zeus's son so you yeah. obviously have super strength and all this kind of stuff but it's not 
it's not really emphasized. It's yeah. just like, no, Jesus is dude. But he's also the incarnation of Yahweh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And the fullness of... Yeah, no, I was just going to say, if, we, if we're going to put a cap on it, yeah. well, there's then a... we would have to say... Oh, sorry, is there oh. another stage? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think cool. it's, does that God... So we've 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 said that there are gods that have died. There, uh, there are gods that have been killed by humans. Mm-hmm. But there's no all powerful gods that have died. There's no gods that have become humans, condescending themselves fully, that have died. And there's none of those gods that have been resurrected and changed humanity for all course of history that we know of. I don't know if we should say that right. we know. No, hey, I don't know all gods. <laughs> yeah, right. fair enough. Like, 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 there are gods that claim to bring in the after, the, to, the, to bring in the end of the world, like Ragnarok. The yeah. death of uh, Odin brings in the end of the world. Uh, the Osiris' death brings the pathway to the afterlife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, they, there are pieces of the story, kind of like what we talked before, about how when you talk about true and meaningful, beautiful things, you're going to touch on the divine. Mm-hmm. But Jesus hits all of it. An all-powerful God descends himself into becoming a human, dies for their sake by humans, mm-hmm. is killed by them for their sake. Yeah. Even though they're enemies. like Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. Yeah. Or, as that dumb quote that I made, um, God created the means by which he could be killed. It's not a dumb quote. That's a good quote. <laughs> yeah. No, but I just hate saying my own things. <laughs> That's why you say there was a guy who once said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's unique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if someone does think of a uh, god in mythology that does challenge that, put it in the comments. I would love to engage on this. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Like, um, it's a weird little hobby of mine that I'm not good at but I love. You mean as a religious scholar you read religious texts? No, I read texts written by people who love Gnosticism and do the whole like Jesus is just a you know, version of Egyptian mythology mixed with Greek stuff going on Judaism trying to, you know, become relevant again. It's like, okay, sure. Except effectively. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here, here's the thing is most of all those scholars forget the Jewish grounding. Almost oh, all yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, but the best work of Egyptian mythology is Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> and Lion King. I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Huh. We don't have time for that, for sure. <laughs> Just a quick note. The, the Osiris horse myth is the Shakespearean story of... Um, uh, no. no. Yeah, Hamlet, yeah. which is uh, Lion King. Yeah. Everything's connected for always and ever. Nothing is new under the sun. It, yes, but it's—I I don't know if we really answer that—that that question because it's—it's there's so many there's so many gods and so many myths. Um, the thing is, is when you define the question that specific, yeah, it's yes. If someone walks into a room and goes, "Oh, is there other ri- dying and rising gods?" Yes, and they go, "Oh, therefore, Jesus' story isn't really yeah. unique." Well, no, yeah, you yeah. got to actually. What is the claim in the Jesus story that's being made? Yeah. Is it just a there's dude that claims to be God that dies and rises, or is it dude that ch- claims to be the one all powerful yeah. deity? It's, it's and the, yeah. Well, no, but what's cool about what you said In is like there's history. so many other gods, like what you said, mm-hmm. and then but like this just sounds like a like a such a power move for like God saying like there are none other. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and like, one of the other things that you'll notice within Jewish theology, in comparison, Jewish theology and any other stories that, that take place in Judaism yeah. pre-70 AD versus yeah. other religious stories and mythologies is a lot of them will are a lot of the alternatives, the non-Jewish mm-hmm. stories and mythologies are designed to always be relevant in any, like it's, it's a reoccurring pattern mm-hmm. or it's a story that applies on many social levels or it's kind of like an abstract story that you can apply all these different moments in life to moments in history to, whereas in Jewish stories at this time, at this place, God acted mm-hmm. in real history for sure. Yeah. In a way that it, we can bet on him doing something later on in 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 our in our time but it's not going to be the exact same because god acts mm-hmm. and he acts as the world changes yeah it's not a it's not a formulaic repetition every time but jewish jewish stories are at this time in this generation at this place god moved and so obviously that's that's the way christ that's the way christ shows up it's it's I love the long history of the Bible is Messiah figures appearing and failing to do what they're supposed to. Mm. And obviously led by God showing an image. But then finally Jesus is there and he's like, Fine, I'll do it myself. It's so <laughs> weird. Eh? Yeah. 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 Never send a man to do a God's, God's job. job. <laughs> well, I mean like hey, um, like my whole one of my my favorite Old Testament passage, uh, Isaiah fifty nine, the whole chapter. Is um, I think we should end it with this passage. Oh sure, okay. Yeah, just because it's the gospel. <laughs> well, no, I, I I think like quoting the Bible, ending this great conversation that we've taken very far, um, would be a beautiful way to end the podcast. So it starts off with uh, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it, that He cannot save, nor is the ear too dull that He cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from bet- between you and God. And then it gets on to like, hey, it's our sin that causes us to be mm-hmm. in a state. And then it gets into, oh, we can't get out mm-hmm. there's the uh there's the um there's just uh, therefore justice is far from us and righteousness does not overtake us we hope for light but behold darkness and for brightness but we walk in gloom we walk like the blind we moan like 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 we, we mm-hmm. there's nothing that can be done and so then it goes well justice is turned back and righteousness is far away because th- we're, we're done we can't yeah. do it those messiah figures that pop yeah. up and fail aren't making it no. And, this, and then in, in 59, uh, 15 and 16, the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then he, then his own arm brought him salvation and the righteousness and righteousness upheld him. And then it goes on to, he wraps himself in a zeal, in a cloak of zeal. His righteousness is his breastplate, breastplate. And it just goes on to his, his characteristics, He's, which will arm him for the, for yeah, becoming suiting savior. Up. Uh, and then it's a redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who turn from their transgressions, says the Lord. Yep. He's suiting up. Yeah. I'll do it myself. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Which is kind of bringing in a theme from the Avengers when he grabs the gauntlet, armors up, and says, I'll do it myself. <laughs> I don't know about the Jesus Thanos imagery we're going to end on, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, take us away. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. Post a what, comment. What's the next episode? We don't know. Uh, oh, hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. Introduction <laughs> okay. to hermeneutics. How do you read the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> Tell now, me how. <laughs> now that we've talked about the message of the Bible, let's go back and read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, very lightly, we're going to talk about hermeneutics. Basic principles of hermeneutics. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Sounds oh, good. Joel, take us away again. <laughs> <laughs> we are being taken away.